From Liangjiahe, a village on the barren lowest plateau in northwest China, to Zhongnanhai, the center of China's top leadership in Beijing. Xi Jinping has served in various posts at different levels of the government across China, starting in his early years as a junior village official to governing as China's top leader. What's he like as an individual and as a leader? How have his work experiences from earlier decades been influencing his leadership as the national leader? What are some of the core principles that have guided his decisions and actions? I consider myself a relatively hard-working person. I know very well that people's biggest concerns are education, employment, income. We can't pursue development through destructive methods, depleting the legacies from our ancestors while exhausting the options for our future generations. The Stories of Xi Jinping podcast series shares the life and work experiences of Xi Jinping and explores the formation of his governing principles, philosophy, beliefs, among others. Getting to know Xi's thoughts on national governance and how his leadership took shape may help you better understand China's path, governance and principles. You can follow the Stories of Xi Jinping podcast series on all major podcast platforms. Keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable coming to you from Beijing. I'm Lai Ming. Coming up on today's show, nearly 13 million high school graduates will attend China's National College entrance examination this week. For the regular people, it means traffic congestions, extra quiet nights, and news about police escorting belated students to test sites. For the examinees, their performance in the next few days will decide where they wind up in the next four years and beyond. Today, we look past the cliches to see what is new at this year's Gaokao. And to lighten the mood a bit, we talk about panda bears. Giant panda Yaya, who has spent two decades in the Memphis Zoo in Tennessee, USA, has finished quarantine and come back to the Beijing Zoo. She's the best example to illustrate the attention that her species receives from people of China and the world. What makes these animals so attractive? And what can we do about it? You can share your views about the topics and the show or point the way to issues worthy of our discussion. Reach out to us by writing to us at ezfmroundtable at foxmail.com or find us at Roundtable China on Apple Podcasts. Now on Roundtable, the most important challenge to high school students is unfolding this week as the nearly 13 million teenagers attend the National College Entrance Examination. What does this test tell us about China and its talent development approach? For today's discussion, I'm joined by Neil Holling and Paul. We begin by... Well, we can't avoid the cliché. Neil Holling, tell us a bit about uh, the Gaokao or the college entrance examination. I don't think it's quite the cliché because many of our listeners may have no idea about how significant Gaokao can be. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it is one of the most significant challenge a high school student may take for them. And it might be one of the most important experience for a person. It's a milestone thing. I think when I was a kid, I think about Gaokao. It's like the Gaokao and then choose 
choose your career and then start a family and then maybe having kids. So these are the benchmarks of your life. So that paints a picture of how important it is Gaokao for a lot of Chinese people because、mm-hmm. it is well for many people one of the most what largely it's the. Um, the scores of Gaokao will largely determine which university they can attend, and by consequence, their future career. So we know a lot of people attend Gaokao. To put things in perspective, for this year,、um, it's a record high number of people attending Gaokao. That's twelve point nine one, nearly thirteen million people、uh, expected to take the national college entrance exam. And the number in twenty twenty is ten million. The number in twenty twenty one is ten point seven eight million. So it's Roughly the population of Belgium,、hmm. um, a country I hold my heart really close to. So yeah, the rough population attending Gaokao is that high. And how important it is? Well, for many people, it's the determining factor to for them.、Uh, To take in in to attend universities, and of course there are different ways you can attend or you can try to apply an overseas university. You some people, if their scores really high or if their scores really high, average scores really high in their、um, let's say high school time, they would be accepted、um, previous to Gaokao.、Mm-hmm. And all that being said, it is still. Like I said, one of the most important、um, experience.、Mm-hmm. Paul,、um, where you come from? Do you have anything similar to、uh, this college entrance examination? What, what, what I, when I say similar, I'm not saying the same amount of people who will sit <laughs> the exam every year, but、uh, you know, a challenge that high school students have to face. Of course, the numbers cannot be compared because when you look at South Africa annually, how many?、Uh, I'm from South Africa, by the way, for the <laughs> for the people who didn't know. And、um, if you look at the numbers that sit down for the national exams at grade twelve for their final year before they go on to、uh, universities, it's about just over a million. Mm-hmm. So, 13 million compared to just over a million, there's a huge difference there. Because of course, our population is about 60 million in South Africa. It pales compared compared to China. So, but yeah, we do have something that's similar to that.、Um, I mean, I was reading about Gaokao, and I, I have been hearing about it ever since I got here in China. Because、mm-hmm. prior to coming here, I wasn't aware of what.、Uh, The the process was for students in high school and what they do when they complete their high school. I just、uh, yeah, I just just never came across that information. But when I got here, I got to learn about this major event that happens、mm-hmm. at the end of your twelve years of being in school, and it reminded me of what happens in South Africa and the process that I went through、uh, when I was completing my twelve years of schooling, and what we call our system. Or this process is called the National Senior Certificate、um, process or the exams. Yeah. Okay. Or sh- in short, people usually call it the metric exams. The metric exams. Yeah. Metric. Okay. Metric exams, not the metric. People are being measured at this exam. <laughs> Matriculation when you graduate. Okay. So we we shorten the word matriculation to、okay. metric. So those、uh, students at the end of their.、Um, 
high grade school? 12, mm-hmm. high school. They do sit for the final exam. It's a culmination of their 12 years in school where they get tested before they can uh, go ahead and move on to choose careers that they want to follow the career paths. And um, so what happens is that between October and February, mm-hmm. that's when these exams. So in October, they have trials, which is kind of like preparing them for the final, final mm-hmm. exams in uh, around December. At, mm-hmm. uh, to, uh, end of Dece- uh, end of November. That's summer to, in Africa, in South yes, Africa. Yes, of course. Uh, so. What's with taking exams during summertime? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it just happens that our calendar works that way. Yeah, uh, so ours too. That's our, why. The year ends, ends uh, our year ends in December. So <laughs> it just ah. happens that way. And then the seasons are also, yeah, Around that time, it's it's uh, it's summer. What's the general sentiment before the, the exam is going to take place? Ooh, a lot of nerves, a lot of anxiety. You know, people are anxious because it is a major event also in South Africa. Okay. Um, major, uh, significant event because students, they spent the whole entire year preparing for Only these. one year? Well, at the end of the year, yes. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the 12 years, your final grade 12 year, that's when you do your final um, preparations for the exams that take place at the end of the year. So there a- is great fo- there's a great focus on uh, preparing for those exams right when they are doing their grade 12. What are the subjects? Because for Gaokao, we have Chinese literature, we have mathematics, uh, English, the written test, and also other foreign languages, maybe, or, well, if you're not taking English, and also there's physics, politics, chemistry, you can choose these subjects. Maybe there's biology, depending on what, um, if you are taking science or general literature as your major in the future. So that's for China. And of course, for different uh let's say provinces the schedule would be different and for people of minor ethnic groups different ethnic groups they would take the exam using um their ethnic languages which is pretty cool in my opinion so what about you yeah uh, it's almost similar so we do have like from okay let me give uh use myself as an example uh when i wrote when i okay so what happens is in our high school, our high school starts from uh, grade um, 9, 9, 10, 11, 12. No, grade 8, <laughs> 9, 10, 11, 12. That's our high school. Mm-hmm. Five years. And so you do, you do two, the first two years, you do everything, like all the subjects. And then when you get to grade 10, you choose which um, yeah. subjects you want to focus on. So I, I'm the one, I guess, that will fall in the category of doing... Uh, what what do they call it here in China? Um, the arts oh. is that the arts um, focus. So I but I did biology, history, geography. Um, what else? Ma- maths. Yes, I did. So it was a mix. It was a weird mixture. It's <laughs> a good mixture if you want to study like archaeology. Of course, I did. I did actually. I did want to do that, but you know things worked out differently. I'm here now, so you're yeah. taking other stuff from, not from Earth, but from the society <laughs> you're reporting. Well, I'm learning a bit of everything. You know, yeah. I'm learning something about everything. That's what journalism does. Mm-hmm. Um, it teaches us something about everything. So, 
I think I made a great choice, right. <laughs> and it got me here, mm. um, and I'm loving it here. So yeah, we do have. So we have a maximum of about. I think, or a minimum of about five subjects that you would sit for at the end of uh, your, mm. uh, at the end of your grade twelve. Your grade good, twelve, good. yes. Right. So you have two languages. So I had my English first language, and then I had my my ethnic groups language, which is Zulu, as a second language. And then uh, you you can also, if you want to do a third language, you can do a third language also. But I. The, it's the minimum two languages Understood. that you do, and then the others are your main subjects. Right, right, right. And you only mentioned something about different regions might have different subjects, and how uh, even in within the same region and within China, the uh, examinations, the way it's being organized, and also the policies are in accordance were were compatible with the examination has been changing. Uh, how about we have uh, a report t- telling us what's really uh, happening this year? Uh, reporter Zhang Tao shares this report. The number of college entrance examination candidates is expected to reach a historic high of 12.9 million this year. They now have more options, as authorities have approved more majors for undergraduate programs. Majors related to emerging industries such as artificial intelligence and big data are the hot ones. Take future robotics, for instance. The newly set up major is under a new category in engineering in Southeast University. Director Ying Guodong of the university's academic affairs office says the move is set to cultivate innovative talents with a more detailed and specific major. Future robotics is a typical interdisciplinary major where students have three mentors: an introductory mentor, an academic mentor, and an enterprise mentor, and their bachelor, master, and doctoral curriculums. China is optimizing its education system to better serve economic and social development. According to the Ministry of Education, the country will adjust around 20% of majors in colleges by the end of 2025. The announcement is bound to have a huge impact on existing college majors, tilting towards practical knowledge rather than a broad base of study. Also this year, Hainan University has released a curriculum abstract for the new rural management major, which includes 80% of the curriculum on professional knowledge. Yu Xudong is the head of the College of Agriculture and Rural Affairs at Hainan University. He says the arrangement allows students to gain more professional knowledge, which is urgently needed on the front line. We not only teach students the basics, but also send them to rural areas to work and handle rural affairs for a period of time. We've also introduced courses on planting, breeding, smart agriculture, ecological protection, and farm machinery. To better cultivate talent, the university has rolled out a comprehensive plan covering training courses for enterprises and governmental institutes in rural areas. The educating method is more flexible and complex compared to other majors in the school, but the director also acknowledges the difficulties in carrying out the teaching activities. I think this major is one of the toughest courses because it involves a lot of people, places, and content. For example, there are eleven different curricula for a single subject in this major, which is really unusual. Director Xiong Binqi of the 21st Century Education Research Institute says that setting up new majors relies on the university's educational resources. 
Universities shouldn't just randomly create new majors. The decision should be based on input from the academic committee of the university, and decision makers should take into account the university's circumstances. These are essential requirements for establishing successful majors. The director says it is difficult for colleges to timely identify what society needs, and it is a daunting task for decision makers. We need to focus more on how we teach students. It's really important to help them develop their innovative ability. If we only teach them facts and information, the knowledge will soon be out of date. If the students don't have the ability to learn and adapt, it will be tough for them to succeed in society. The director also suggests the universities should have more autonomy in running their schools, so they can be more flexible in adjusting the measures. There you go. That was、uh, our reporter Jiang Tao outlining the changes or discussions on potential changes that can be done to the Gaokao or the college entrance examination here in China. If you'd like to hear more about、uh, the latest changes in in college entrance examinations, I suggest you follow the Beijing Hour, where they have two more reports coming today and then tomorrow. There you go. So when we talk about、uh, Gaokao, obviously there's been a lot of changes, and one major change in the past few decades is the shift, if I if I may,、uh, from an elitist education to somewhat、uh, universal education, and meaning more and more people have the access to higher education upon graduation from high school.、Uh, the latest figure from the year 2021 suggests that nearly 93 percent of those who sit the college entrance examination may have a spot、uh, after they take the exam and and go on. They will go on to maybe a vocational college or a standard university where they can pursue further studies. And so this begs the question, and that is,、um, universal education is also、um, make it. Less competitive in in a, in a sense. I mean, we talk about the more than eleven million college graduates this year, and perhaps even more next year.、Uh, there's al- always the talk about how are they going to get a job upon graduation from、uh, college. So, how do we make、uh, and and shape the college ent- education and even the setup of majors to help students get what they want? When they get there, and and even pursue the kind of life they want to get upon graduation. Well, I think when it comes to、um, college entrance ex- examination, going to universities, people would assume that is the step you take before you acquire your. Dream job, but maybe that is not the case for all everyone in this day and age because taking. Education in the end is to enrich your knowledge, is to let you know who you are. Many people would sign up for a certain major before they take the Gaokao examination, or after they have their scores, they would choose a very specific major for themselves, and they had not really enough knowledge about that major yet. They don't really know whether or not that is going to be their future dream job because at the time you're applying for university, you started to realize that the major There are so many majors out there, and you have to do a little research on what the majors course、uh, in. Include and all that information is new to you, and you have to ingest that information to digest that information in just a couple of days. So 
I would suggest people instead of、uh, drawing the link. Between going to college and starting your career, make that that link not that strong or not that direct. If in the future maybe you want to be、um, working in academia, maybe going to college is your first and let's say sole choice. But maybe you're just thinking about having a career in high technician kind of、um, perspective, or if you're thinking about something else, maybe. Well, in front of Gaokao, going to college is your thing, but acquiring a job in that sense might not be your thing.、Mm-hmm. Pearl, what would be the case in your country? Is is it almost universal, like what's going on here in China, or is it still highly competitive, and only those who are the smartest can end up in the best schools? I think it's still competitive because.、Um The be- the better your marks are or your scores are from your final exam、uh, in grade twelve, the better your chances of getting into those prestigious universities, and、uh, and most universities look for students that have high scores, and so if you have high scores, then、um, I mean it means that you will be considered first in those universities, therefore that perpetuates that idea. All right. That's the recruitment process. What about upon graduation?、Uh, do people's career have a strong link to what they study in in college? Yes, because if you look at our country, economically we're not doing well, so a lot of people are poor, and I think because of that, people from poor households, their first thought is to. Get a job. It's to graduate and get a job. So they don't have the luxury to say,、mm, "I want to study for a long time." You know, I want to get my doctorate and so on. For them, is to I, I I want to study and then graduate and find a job that will help my family out of this difficult situation. We have a, a huge un a high unemployment rate, and a lot of people are st- struggling. There's a huge gap between the rich and the poor. So those things impacts. Um, on how people think about their future, and、uh, those who come from affluent homes, of course, they have that luxury or that leeway to think of, hmm, maybe I can study something that will keep me f- in school for a long time or in u- at university for a long time, and probably get my doctorate. Because they have that financial security at home, whereas someone from a poor household, their first thought is maybe I need to study and gain like technical skills that will help me get employed faster, or maybe this job or this sector has more job opportunities. Let me go and study something that's related to this sector so that I can get、uh, employed as soon as I. Graduate from university, so I think those things play play、um, a, a big role in how people decide、um, which majors to pursue and、uh, where to go after graduating.、Mm-hmm. Here in China, ever since the college enrollment expansion in the early two thousands,、uh, it's been made much more easier for the average student to make it to a university, and as a result. Uh, there, we, there's a tendency for us to see、uh, somewhat a degree inflation, and also there's a tendency for schools to to build up and to build comprehensive to want to provide the kind of academic 
education or overly academic education to their students. And as, as such, in, in recent years, we are hearing uh, talks, as uh, Zhang Tao has mentioned in his report, about changes or, or adaptations for the education system to stress the professional or vocational part, which is why we are seeing more and more students sitting the college ex- entrance examination. If we compare that figure to previous years, in fact, we have fewer and fewer high school graduates attending the college entrance examination. The increase in the sheer number comes from the increase in the number of vocational high school students applying to and, and sitting the college entrance examination. So there's a stress, and increasingly a stress, on the part of the government as well as on the part of the schools and and students and parents to uh, improve the quality of vocational education. And I wonder whether that would uh, create the kind of growth engine, uh, also the talent pool to support uh, high-end development, high-quality development for China in the next few years. That being said, I mean, college entrance examination still is quite competitive and is no doubt that some students might feel jittery and anxious before that, what would be the best solution for, to get su- students into the right mood for the, for the competition? Well, for students that will take the Gaokao tomorrow, you guys should relax. It's going to be as, um, the, as the same as all the tests you have been taking for so many days. You have prepared for this moment for quite a long time and you are ready. And don't worry about people saying that your high school time is actually innocent and happy. And after taking college, you would have no clear goal. You would have no teacher tendering um, or let's say taking care of you as much as now and maybe going to career path is so hard. No, it's not. You will get the freedom, the money, the financial support that you can provide for yourself. You are embracing a great future. So do not worry. You will be fine and do a good job. Pearl, you have 30 seconds. Yeah, I think um, that's great to to say or tell students to relax, try to relax. But I think they should also surround themselves with people who are positive, who speak positivity to them, uh, rather than people who put pressure on them. This is what you should do. If you don't get good marks, then you will fail and this will happen, blah, blah, blah. They should try and just block those negative uh, (laughs) (laughs) advices and uh, pressures out. Block them away. You're competing with yourself. Don't worry about anything that's not happening. We will come back after this short break to discuss panda bears. Stay tuned. With a history of 5,000 years, it's no surprise that China has created a fabulous treasury of folk tales. Once a year, on the seventh day of the seventh month, all the magpies fly up to heaven and form a bridge. So many amazing worlds to discover. I want a new palace, said King Mu of Zhou one day. Chinese folktales retold for audiences today. Will, will you marry me? He asked. And with little hesitation, she said, <laughs> Yes. 5,000 years of amazing Chinese folktales. My father must not go to war. Someone must take his place. You'll find Chinese folktales season three wherever you discover your favorite podcasts.
Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable. I'm Lai Ming, joined by Niu Hongling and Paul in the studio. Coming up, the Odyssey of Yaya has demonstrated the popularity of giant pandas. Let's do an accounting for these rare animals and find out how many more of them are still out there on overseas assignments and what roles do they play. And we are almost in the heat of summer in the northern hemisphere. And summer means seasonal delights like delicious fruits and ice creams. It can also mean unpleasant experiences like mosquito bites. We share some facts about these annoying critters so you know who you are up against and what to do when you come into a melee with them. Let's know what you think about our discussions and maybe even contribute your own voice for your for our heart to heart segment. You can do this by writing and sending your voice memo to us at ezfmroundtable@foxmail.com, or you can help more people find us by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts at Roundtable China. Now on Roundtable, panda bears. Why are we talking about them again now? Well, because apparently, after the giant panda Yaya returned to China in April, two decades after being sent to the United States, she has received a really warm welcome by not only the zookeepers in Beijing but also by netizens here in China. And this sparks a new round of frenzy over. Giant pandas. People started to realize, yes, they are cute, but we have to stop referring to them as they because each and every giant panda has their own characters. They are very lovely in their very own way, and people started to change or shift their love to giant pandas to actual money spending on.、Mm. Watching、uh, videos and live streaming of pandas, on buying pandas-themed creative items, and on even supporting the nice enterprises that have donated and maybe quote unquote adopted a giant panda just to show their love. And this started to be a new trend in the economic development here. So we know they were popular, and we have we have known already known that for quite a while. They Pandas have been very popular in China and around the world, but the latest development is there's a, almost a tendency for them to become idols among their. Die-hard fans. Oh yeah, totally. According to the Mayday Holiday Tourism Market Report released by Sichuan Cultural and Tourism Department and the announcement from Beijing Park Management Center during the 2023 Mayday Holiday, the Chengdu Research Base of Giant Panda Breeding attracted over 260,000 visitors, while Beijing Zoo, where the well-known giant panda Menglan resides, received a staggering 467,000 visitors. Both figures show a significant increase compared to the same period last year. People's love for panda is surging. So, is it the same as idols? Like they don't have to have any talent. They don't say that about、nice. idols. <laughs> well, they have to look cute. That's all they have to do. <laughs> yeah, is that why they are so popular? I think so. They are very like calm. Not so violent animals. <laughs> oh, they can、They've, be violent. They, they can be. I'm saying not so violent, but yeah, of course, when they are under attack, they should be able to defend themselves. But 
for the most part, they look so calm and, you know, fluffy and cute, cuddly. They look cuddly. People love things that look cuddly. That's why they go out to buy teddy bears. So, yeah, I think uh, just their personality and uh, what they represent. I mean, China has promoted the pandas as uh, friendship gestures, you know, as um, animals that promote friendship whenever they export um, the uh, the pandas to countries that uh, China has relations with. They are to promote uh, cultural exchanges and uh, friendship between the two countries. And so I think that's a great idea to, to have this animal as a symbol of friendship. And it fits really well. It's calm, it's cute, it's lovely, it's strong, but it's not violent. And it's multicolored, so... It covers everybody, <laughs> right. every human race. Mm-hmm. Come to think of it, it is a very good symbol. I mean, it used to be a very endangered, critically endangered species here in in this country. It is unique to China, in fact, a unique region here in this in this country. But now, with the conservation and protection methods in place for so long, it is no longer considered as that critically endangered. So that goes to show how far we've gone to protect these animals and using, well, uh, dispatching them to overseas destinations and having them enjoyed and admired by tourists and zoo-goers might be a a nice gesture to remind people that uh, there are wild animals out there that can be endangered and uh, we should do everything we can to make the planet as safe for them as it is for humans. And I think it was a great idea or a great decision by China to actually start leasing them to the countries that do take them in. Um, In 1984, I think that's when the decision was made because prior to that, uh, I think between the 1940s until 1984, they were sold to these countries that wanted to have these um, animals. But uh, now... They're, they're being leased. As we see now, uh, Yaya has come back after the, the contract expired. Uh, and that ensures that China takes responsibility for the preservation of uh, these uh, animals after having been endangered uh, for so many years. Because if you then give it to give the, uh, the pandas to the countries and then they don't take care of them the way they're supposed to, uh, it'll, be, it'll be hard to get them back if you, you're not on a lease contract with them. So I think that was a great decision to make. China that- stopped sending pandas on lease, I mean, on, on loans uh, in, the line, in the late 1990s. So now yeah. every panda out there uh, is, might be considered as on assignment. On overseas <laughs> assignment to help assist the studies, uh, breeding, and research programs overseas. And I believe no matter where the, the, these national treasures, these cute pandas are living, they should be taken care of. They should be well treated, though some countries are not doing a really good job taking care of them. And it's not um, only for giant pandas. We love giant pandas because it's our national treasure. But um, And there are also other countries loving their national treasures as well. But we do know that maybe recently there has been this problem of a sweet kiwi in 
the United States that's being mistreated, and the zoo even charged guests twenty five U S dollars for a quote unquote kiwi encounter to pet the cute fluffy animal. But it's actually bad for it because it's a nocturnal bird. And I wonder,、um, Pearl, what is your national well the the animal that everyone loves in South Africa? The treasure of your country. <laughs> the treasure of your country. <laughs> well, we love. The big five. That's the you lion. You have a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean we love、uh, the lion,、um, tiger, the cheetah, <laughs> the rhino, which、mm. is currently endangered because、oh. of、um, illegal poaching. poaching、mm. Yes, and、um, the hippo.、Um, okay. The big then, five. Yeah, the、They、big five. They are big. The, the elephant. People love elephants also. And you can actually go to a reserve and just drive through the. It's a huge reserve, so you can drive through them,、uh, through it. And、um, sometimes people spot <laughs> elephants crossing the road, and it can be very dangerous. So you are advised to just stop your car, don't make any sudden movements, just wait for them to cross the road, and then. <laughs> But yeah, it's it, people sometimes they. Excite them, and they like to take pictures and so on.、Uh, and that is in my province, so I I'm happy that we have、uh, that kind of、uh, an experience for visitors and tourists. That、yeah. must be a very extraordinary experience, living and growing up along、uh, wild animals and and coexisting with them in such a way that、and、sometimes might pose a risk to your own safety. Yes, because we've had a, a few years ago, we've had、uh, incidents where. Lions escape from <laughs> from their like、uh, enclosures, and they were found to be within the because co- communities live like especially rural communities they live within、uh, the reserves, and so that was a danger there. There were but like eleven lions that actually got、uh, they fled from their enclosures, and、uh, I remember one animal was killed. One lion was killed by. Community members because it was posing、uh, a threat、That's、to、right. the community and livestock. Well, here in China, apparently panda has、um, drawn a lot of love, and that love has, let's say, spread to panda-like items. So it's not only about panda. If you've got a panda emoji, if you've got a coffee mug with the pandas, a cute panda cartoon on it, it will. Search well; it will make people want to buy them much more. And a lot of enterprises are investing in this giant panda donation and adoption project. Actually, you can have permanent adoption or short-term adoption. With that adoption, when you、um, pay the adoption fee, which would be one million、uh, for a permanent adoption, and two point five million if it's for a Giant panda average lifetime of twenty five years. Then the amount of permanent adoption fee is two point five million, and the annual adoption fee is one hundred thousand Chinese yuan. It's 
It sounds like a lot of money, but you can do a lot of things with that money because you would have the right to name the giant panda. Oh yeah. Ah,、uh, you can hold a giant panda adoption news briefing. You would receive pictures of the panda quarterly on how well it's being, it's growing up, and you can use those、uh, pictures to, let's say, release in your own website and. Use it as a advertising tool, and of course, it can be linked to official websites of the foundation and obtain adopted giant pandas growth status report. Right to a VIP reception service at the base within adoption period. So、mm-hmm. a lot of things can be done, and、uh, apparently, old, many enterprises have joined the program and using panda as their own zodiac or not zodiac,、uh, their own mascot, in、mm-hmm. so to speak. In a way to promote their brand, and people are apparently buying the idea and the products. And so the money that comes from having people donating and adopting pandas would, I assume, go into the research and、yes. study and breeding programs of panda bears. Actually, there will be reports showcasing how the money is used. Okay, that's great. That's a great idea. Also, p- conservation. You know, yes,、uh, efforts need to be funded. So, do lions and hippos in your country receive the same treatment, same status? Um, well, not to this extent. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think it's that huge. People, I think. Most people take it for granted that we have these wonderful animals, and so they kind of like it's kind of something that's in the back of their minds. But they are aware that we do have. But I mean, is it a large population? I'm not sure if it's a huge population right now because I mentioned earlier we have a problem of poaching, and a lot of our rhinos have been、uh, killed by illegal poachers. For their horns, because of certain beliefs, and and、uh, I know the world is trying to clamp down on this uh, uh, on this activity, illegal activity,、mm-hmm. and our government also has、uh, taken some measures to try and、uh, address this problem. Because I mean, these animals are important、uh, to the environment as well as tourism in the country.、Mm-hmm. One thing that is probably not as conspicuous with. Panda bears is that the panda bears they usually live in a in one they are usually concentrated in one part of the country and one part of the planet and so、uh, this problem might not be as salient as it is with other wild animals such as、uh, Asian or、uh, Asian elephants like they would have a large、uh, habitat and they will have to share it with human beings. Uh, is the same case happening to wildlife in South Africa, where the habitats of the wildlife seems to be fragmented as human activity seems to be intensifying? Yes,、uh, which is why the government、um, has taken steps to create these reserves, the enclosures, so that you know where animals. Are and you not you do not actually encroach on those areas that are demarcated for、um, wild animals because they are, as I said earlier they are important、um, to our environment as well as you know tourism they are a major draw card for our,、um, our tourism industry and a lot of people come from all over the world to see African wild animals so、um, that's、um, that's something that I guess. It needs more attention, where 
government actually puts more measures to protect animals uh, because there are still these illegal activities that endanger um, most species in the country. And uh, but then people they do know they are aware where the animals are, so it's not really as much as. Uh, seeing communities expanding and moving into areas that they're not supposed to or areas that are largely populated by wildlife. Uh, what may happen is companies, private companies that purchase land somewhere, maybe they purchase the land legally or maybe there are some unscrupulous activities that happen. You never know where they will purchase land maybe that will endanger I mean if you conduct active human activity on that land it will endanger or create an imbalance in the ecosystem and uh, endanger the animals that do live there so something that needs to be worked on to ensure that uh, even in the private sector uh, people are not granted spaces that are largely populated by wildlife Right. Mm-hmm. So scrutiny is an essential part in safeguarding and preserving wildlife and, and leaving them at ease in their own habitat. But sometimes over scrutiny can be a problem, as indicated with uh, some examples with uh, with panda bears. So the, the amount of attention that people are affording these panda bears sometimes can be problematic. Yes, some fans are just being really aggressive when it comes to pandas. And the problem is they do not have the professional knowledge really in need for them to take care of the pandas. They would just assume some human activities, human activities being the keeper's activities or the way the keeper treats the pandas. They would assume that's um, not polite enough for the pandas, not uh, tender enough for the pandas, and they would try to affect how the zookeepers taking care of the pandas. They would even write emails and write letters to the zoo complaining about certain zookeepers and costing their jobs sometimes. So I believe even though we have a huge love for wild animals, we should always, always respect professional um, knowledge and professional talent when it comes to the preserving and taking care of them. Yeah, we mentioned this because there's there's been instances where uh, overly enthusiastic fans of panda bears having watched panda cams 24-7 may have noticed some what they believe are irregular behaviors on the part of the keepers. And as a result, they lodge complaints after complaints and after complaints to the zoos or the facilities, so much so that the uh, management feel pressured to change certain behaviors. And and as a result, at the end of the day, uh, the keeper in question might uh, lose their job. So is that that even fair? Do, Do we all have that call? Do we all have that say or professional know-how to decide what behavior is appropriate and what isn't? Um, I think um, on the part of the zoo, they have to maybe write rules or write th- uh, have a list of things people should look out for. So if you say, uh, if you witness a keeper smacking an animal, hitting an animal with a stick, then report this. Because then if you leave it to fans fans will report anything and uh, they will go overboard with their reporting and then 
that puts unnecessary pressure on management to take action against someone who may have just been doing their job and uh, the person who's been monitoring them on the screen is not sure is not aware of what this person or this worker's or employee's job description is and so i think um yeah, zoos have to also be careful of, you know, those overzealous fans who just don't have much to do but to sit in front of a screen and make complaints and and become Karens, as they might call them in the West. Karens? <laughs> yes. Oh, right. <laughs> Zoo Karens. <laughs> All right, so uh, I do suggest that even enthusiastic as you are might use some moderation when you are suggesting making suggestions and proposals to the professional zookeepers and research institutions you're listening to roundtable up next some fun facts about mosquitoes looking for passion how about fiery debate want to hear about current events in china from different perspectives then tune in to roundtable where East meets West, and understanding is the goal. Welcome back to Roundtable. This is me, Lai Ming, with uh, New Holing and Pearl in the studio. Pearl, I know it's um, winter where you come from right now, but uh, you've spent many summers here in China, and it's that time of the year where we have to deal with the nuisance, mosquitoes. Yeah. You know what? Though? I have this interesting... Thing that happened when I first arrived in China. I thought Chinese mosquitoes didn't really like my blood because they never bit me. No, <laughs> everyone no. around me was complaining, like, "Oh, look at me! Oh, look at me!" And this was in Shanghai because I first arrived, worked in Shanghai, and so everyone, my colleagues, they were like, ah, "I got bitten! I got bitten!" They all came with red spots, and I'm like. What's happening? Are these mosquitoes afraid of me? Or they can't see me? <laughs> I'm too dark? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, that was like the greatest feeling <laughs> to know. But now I think they're used to me because <laughs> I do get bitten sometimes. This is after you moved to Beijing or... I think it's Beijing, yes. <laughs> yeah, because actually there are different types of mosquitoes. I even find that in different parks, mosquito bites can affect me in different ways. Some itches like crazy, some hurts. So I guess there are different groups of mosquitoes, different types of mosquitoes in different parks, which makes me questioning this new report saying that they have, um, let's say, revealed the, uh... yeah, the reason different chemicals in body order would attract mosquitoes and they have this experiment by building an ice rink size testing arena and pumping in the scents of different people and they believe that um, for different people there are different scents and the mosquito were most attracted to airborne carbon silic acid and yeah, because this is not the first time human beings started to say that we've discovered the reason or we've discovered hmm. what type of people are attracted to mosquitoes more. Previously, I remember there were this report about different blood types. Blood types. Right. 
but apparently that was that at least that paper was retracted already. Oh so. yeah, I thought that, that, that I mean that there was the, the logic. I mean the logic seems to stand. I mean people with the type O blood appears to have more protein in their blood, and then female mosquitoes in want of protein might uh, find it、uh, more attractive to bite people with type O blood. But then the question is: Does the mosquito have to bite the person to taste the blood so that they know? Oh, it's not <laughs> what I want. Or because you're still getting bitten by the mosquito, yeah. Whether you have the the good or the bad blood. Well,、uh, let me give you one example. So there's a bowl of、uh, shui zhu rou in front of you, and there's a bowl of、um, guilin mi fen in front of you. So there's a bowl of steaks in front of you, and there's a bowl of fried fish in front of you. Can you tell simply by smelling what they are? Yes. Right. But we're talking about blood, which is below your skin.、Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right. So when the mosquito comes to you, it will have to prick the skin to get to the blood. So you're already bitten still. So in my <laughs> that's my <opinion> . argument. <laughs> yeah, this one stands because it's talking about body odor.、Ah. All right. You see, you, I don't have the mosquito doesn't have to、uh, even prick、taste. you. They have、right. to like smell or sense、um, what this odor is before they start pricking you. Biting you, I think it's a multifaceted thing. Instead of a single reason can determine whether or not mosquitoes、True. like you, because I think、um, blood type may have a say in it. And of course, the carbon dioxide emission、right. works because it has something to do with how strong or how active you are. And also, the body temperature may affect the mosquito's ability to detect you and find you. And Some people say skin bacteria also plays a role in it because it may,、uh, let's say, it may affect mosquitoes'、um, ability to to detect or whether or not it likes you. And also, pregnancy apparently is a thing. Pregnant women have been found to attract twice as many mosquitoes as women who are not pregnant. So yeah, a lot of factors are here. Knowing what we already know, what 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 can we do to keep us from mosquito bites? Is there、uh, any reasonable or scientific approach that can keep me sleeping at night without having to wake up and get blood on my hands or on the walls? Well, if you are at home, maybe you can find certain kind of incense that you can light on. Make sure they're safe; they're not toxic to you or to your baby at home.、Uh, and if you're outdoor, my suggestion would be try to wear long trousers and long、uh, sleeve clothes, just to leave them with no skin, so that they have nowhere to bite.、Mm-hmm. Uh- Paul, is there any ancient wisdom that we can derive from where you come from that will help us? Make sure where you stay, it's dry. Don't have any stagnant water l- around you because that's what mosquitoes are attracted to. Also, damp places and、uh, moisture—they like that. So make sure your home is well ventilated, but don't leave your windows. Open till late. Make sure you have screens on your windows so that w- if you do leave them,、uh, your windows open, then your screen is down. It prevents the mosquitoes 
as we call them, from <laughs> flying in through the window and, uh, you know, having a snack on you while you're asleep. Um, because it can get, it's very hot in China. So you might want to have your windows open in the summer instead of having the AC on because some people, it, that's bad for their health. Uh, so make sure you have a screen on your window, you pull it down and open the windows. Yeah. These are regular things that we can do as the average resident in the house. What about the scientific approach? Should the scientists find a way to genetically tweak the mosquitoes to wipe them all out? No, then it would create an imbalance in the ecosystem. That's why we have bees. That's why we have all these animals. They, each and every animal, even us human beings, we have our role that we play to keep the balance. So, no, I don't think so. They're just harmless animals, man. They bite you, you get a little bump, and then it goes away after a while. Yeah, complain a little bit. Don't tweak the genes of mosquitoes. Unless if you are in a malaria-prone area. So be mm. careful. Right, right. I mean, that's all the time we have for this, this discussion today on Roundtable. If you haven't heard enough, you can always find us on Apple Podcasts at Roundtable China. That's it for today. Thank you.